Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Roka Report podcast. It is a victory podcast today and they are always the best ones. I am joined by busy Roka Report bees, uh, Niall Bromley and Ant. Niall, how are you doing today? Are you still in a, uh, you were in a reasonably upbeat mood yesterday, so are you still sort of feeling happy after a win? Well, it's funny you say I was in an upbeat mood because Ant actually said I was the most negative he'd ever heard us. Like, so, um, you did give a four, yeah. I did hear that. <laughs> I'd, I did give a four, and I think that four was a bit too kind, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, we'll get into that in a bit, but yeah, no, I'm a little bit less upbeat than what I normally am um, about yesterday's performance, especially after a win, but but um, yeah, I'm happy other than that. I mean, it's, it's a horrible day, the wind's blowing and stuff, so what what else to be doing than sitting talking about football with you and my good pal, Ant? Thanks for the, the weather report there. Ant, how are you doing right. today? What's the weather like where you are since Niles decided to tell us what it's... Yeah, uh, it is. It is a bit blowy and uh, wet and rainy here. Like uh, probably the same as what it is in Blythe. Um, yeah, I am. I'm not too bad. Um, yeah, we would just like to apologise to uh, any listener who was sick of my voice because I know I've been on a lot, but needs must, isn't it? <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Okay, so yesterday Sunderland defeated Gillingham two 0 It might be two days by the time you listen to this, but on Saturday Sunderland defeated Gillingham two 0 at the Priestfield Stadium. There were no pictures of the team eating McDonald's on the way home as well. So that's happy days. No scandals breaking from an away trip to Ginlingham. To sum up the game, Sunderland was shite for an hour. Uh, to be honest, I was taking notes of the game and I had very little written down for the first hour beyond a, an offside goal that it's impossible to tell if it's on or offside because of the terrible one-camera system at every League One ground. Then they missed a penalty. Lee Burge saved it. They got a player sent off for trying to snap Lugo Nine's leg. We scored a penalty through Maguire. And then Gooch ran like a million miles to confirm our win and score. So 2-0. Yesterday, Niall and Ant reacted pretty much immediately after the game. And I want to look ahead today. You know, so we're not covering the same topics to talk about. Obviously, a massive game on Tuesday against Ipswich Town. But also answer some kind of underlying philosophical questions um, that, that Sunderland fans are dealing with at the moment. But before we, we, we jump into all that, first things first, did Phil Parkinson get the team selection right yesterday? He didn't really touch that much on this in the reaction pod. So now what, what did you make of the team selection yesterday? And we are going to jump to talk about some of the other 23 players and stuff. So I presume that'll probably feature a little bit in your answer. But what did you make of the team? Um, well, it won. So I find it hard to, you know, say bad things. or criticise it when it won. Um, there was maybe a couple of things in there that that people might have questioned. You know, 
throwing Ledbetter and Scowen in. Um, you know, there was there was rumours of, of an alleged falling out between them and Parkinson. Nobody knows if that's true or not. They'd have missed a game and then been put straight back in. I thought Scowen was energetic, otherwise, other than the fact he, sh- he should have maybe had a hat-trick. Um, he was getting forward, which was good, which is one of the reasons I gave him a six yesterday. So, yeah, I wouldn't have too many gripes with a start in 11. I thought it was probably what we all expected. Um, and, you know, to be honest, the other than Aidan O'Brien, I, I have t- I touched on it yesterday. I don't think he should be anywhere near the team. He hasn't done anywhere near enough to earn a spot on that team. I probably wouldn't have had him in. And I would like to see more of Greg. Um because as Ant said yesterday, you know, you've got a lad sitting there who's is capable of scoring fifteen goals a season. And and you know, the only way he's gonna do that is playing and, and the biggest thing we're lacking, as everyone knows, is goals. So that that's disappointing. I would like to see more of Will Grigg. Other than that, you can't really grumble with it, like I say, but because the one had it been a draw, which it looked like it was gonna be for, for most of the game, then then obviously I'll probably sit here and pick six or seven things he, he probably should have done, but um, yeah, it's you know it's a victory in the end, despite how it's happened. It's still a win, so can't really gripe too much at at the the starting eleven for me. I think Niles kind of hit roughly. I think that's roughly where I sit on that debate. If you want a game, you can't really gripe too much about a team selection. But I do want to jump now, and I feel like this is probably going to be a large section of this podcast. The under twenty threes have won three games this season, and, and to put that in context, I worked for Sunderland for eighteen months, and I believe they never won a league game in that time. So that, that's how bad Sunderland and the 23s have oh, been. Wow. Um, but three wins this season. Embleton uh, struggled with injury, but scored a brace against Aston Villa on Friday. The question has to be, I mean, we'll, we'll touch first on Elliot Embleton. Sunderland's lacked huge amounts of creativity this season. That That's, you know, that goes without saying. Our creative play is, I would probably say, in the bottom eight of the league. I've not seen many sides that are as inept going forward as us. But Elliot Embleton's a player that Sunderland coaches you know, look look highly on. He's a player that's came through the academy, England under sort of 17. I think he's been England under 19 international as well. Could Elliot Embleton be the answer to our creative problems, Ant? Go. Uh, I, I would probably say he would be, yeah. But if, if the only thing I would kind of be a little bit wary about is where he's going to fit in Parkinson's system because he's more of a, like, he's like a number 10, really, isn't he? You know, he gets a few goals, he can set them up, he's... He's got good creative nous about him, but where I'll put him in Parkinson's system, I'm not quite sure. Um, I will say, though, it is very, very good to see him back. You know, obviously, he's had injuries left, right and centre, bless him. And, um, you know, he has got the ability to be a very good footballer. Um, you know, I mean, I've got a, quite a vested interest in him because we're from the same village. So, um, you know, it's always nice to see someone from our neck, so to speak, do well. So, um, But, yeah, if they can find a position for him, or you know, integrate a team around him. Really, then I think I think it can only be good things because I mean, he's he's obviously far too good to play under twenty three level for the rest of his life at Sunderland, and I think he probably would have broke in by now if it wasn't for the injuries he's had last season. Bless him, because he had a really bad hamstring injury, didn't he? Against um, I think it was Sheffield United, wasn't it last season? And you know, that's obviously set him back. You know, eight nine months, and then first first game of pre season, he he injures himself again. He's missed another six weeks, so there's certainly scope for him. Uh, because, like you say, we've got very little creative player bar Maguire and Gooch, really. So, yeah, as long as they can find a, a way in Parkinson's system, then 100% for me, I think it's a number eight. Where would you fit Embleton into the Parkinson's system? Uh, if you believe that Embleton should be given a chance in the first team. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, I'd probably I, I'd probably stick him on the number 10. 
um, or potentially on the wing. I'd certainly play him ahead of Aidan O'Brien every day of the week on the wing. Um, I don't know. He's he looks like a type, a type of kind of versatile player, doesn't he? He seems that way, um, which is obviously very handy to have. You know, it it just feels like it's taken forever with him. I mean, I feel like I've known about a prospect called Elliot Embleton for for about ten years. Um, you know, and it's just it's just he's just. Like Anne says, he's had so many injuries, he's not come through and it's so frustrating for him. But yeah, if if I definitely think that Parkinson's going to have him in his mind, he's going to have to find a place for him. It's it's going to be tough for him to stick him exactly where because, I mean, you can't really drop Maguire, we can't really drop Gooch, but we can play him on the wing, we can take Aidan O'Brien out of the team because that's what needs to happen for me. So hopefully that's where he'll play if, if we decide to play him. It would be interesting, you know, to actually see, because he made his debut around about three years ago, didn't he, against Wolves um, under Coleman. So it would be interesting to actually see, obviously I, I don't have the stats in front of us, how many times he's actually featured for us since then, you know, and if that's been down injury or, or whatever it is, because it's not it's not been many. Be I would say probably five or six yeah. appearances, yeah. Played, he had a loan spell at, at Grimsby where he did very well. I know mm. Danny Collins always speaks very highly of Embleton and says that he can certainly play at League One level, but something that played a five-three-two a few times this season. I mean, a lot of that's been dictated by injuries because you know you've had to shift Lugo nine in the centre back and then you shift Lyndon Gooch into the wing back position. But if something were to go back to a five-three-two, surely Embleton would be a good player to put in that three who can kind of do what Scowen does in that position where he sort of goes onto the right hand side. He kind of drifts into being a little bit of a wide midfielder. Embleton could probably do that on the left hand side. So that's kind of where I'd envisage him coming in but now you're also right if something stick with the 5-2-3 that they're playing at the minute or the 5-4-1 depending on how you look at it Embleton would be the logical fit to replace Aidan O'Brien and I think O'Brien's probably been the most disappointing uh, signing Sunderland's made in a while because I had very high expectations for him when he comes in we'll jump out and talk about some of the other younger players that haven't been given a chance Dan Neal and Jack Diamond are players that Sunderland fans have kind of craved to get in that team this season we've got Mansfield next weekend it feels like Parkinson keeps giving them auditions in these cup games and they always impress and don't get a chance. Is the Mansfield game potentially another chance for them to, to show why they should be in the team now? Yeah, it, it is. And he'll, he'll put them in. They'll both play that game. I'll be very surprised if they do. I think all three will. Um, Neil Diamond, Embleton will play. If if Embleton's 100% fit, he'll play him, yeah. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Um. I don't know. It it'll be nice to see them as well. I'm 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 looking forward to that because I always think cup games, even though you want to win them, let's let's be honest, we're not going to win that cup. So it's it's a kind of relaxing game, isn't it? Because league's our priority, so you can kind of just relax, watch it, and it. Yeah, you're upset if they lose, but it's not the end of the world. So yeah, um, I am looking forward to it, and and I do think he'll put them in. We we just got to, It just depends on like Kimpy Oakar as well, like. If he comes in next weekend and he plays him and he scores, you know, see he gets a brace, then Sunderland are desperate for goals. There's going to be so much pressure under Phil Parkinson to play him. So much pressure. Even if he has a good game and doesn't score. um, Because, I mean, we haven't had any coverage, unfortunately, of the under-23. So we don't know exactly how he's been playing. But, you know, the the goals, the goal record speaks for itself. So, I mean... Like say when when you're desperate and it's a player who's been in the first team, he's been in around it. He scored a goal for the first team. He knows how it works. Um, so yeah, I I definitely throw him in, and and I think that yeah, the other three massive for them, but I think bigger for for Kim Yoka because that really could be season changing if if that works. You you never know. 
Ant, what, what do you make of, I suppose, the debate, which is mainly Dan Neal and uh, Jack Diamond? You know, Parkinson's very, very reluctant to throw them in at the minute. And do you think that Mansfield game next weekend, do you think there's, even if they play brilliantly, do you think Parkinson will give them a chance? Because it feels like at the minute, it just doesn't matter how they play, you will not trust them to play in league fixtures. Or am I just maybe being too um, optimistic in my view of younger players and wanting them to play? I, th- I think we're all like that, though, aren't we? We've always been like that with young players breaking through at Sunderland, but especially now where the team isn't great. And then we've seen the likes of Diamond, who's, who's, who's done well. You know, every time he's he's been given an opportunity, he has done well. Dan Neal, in pre-season, I thought was our probably our best player. And it's quite strange to see them, considering why Phil Parkinson's making the whole at Dan season, he made a McGeady argument because he wants to give the youth a, a go and then not giving the youth a go. And you're seeing the likes of George Dobson coming in and playing badly every time he plays. And it it is strange because I, I, I think it's just a matter of trust. I, I just don't think he trusts them. And, you know, it's like Niall says, they'll play next week. Um, You know, quickly going back to Kimpy Oak, I don't think he will play because I believe he mm. got taken off injured on um on Friday night. Oh, so, so he did. That, that is, yeah, that is a shame. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he will bring Elliot in. I think he'll bring Jack Diamond in. He'll bring Dan Neal in. More than likely they'll have good games because the good players will probably end up beating Mansfield or what we should be beating Mansfield anyway. And then probably in our next league game, it'll be back to normal. We're back to probably the team that started on, on Tuesday. And that's a, that is a damn shame considering what are they, what have these players got to do? You know, has Jack Diamond got to, you know, score a hat-trick or something and then just to be in? Or has, has Dan Nail got to set up every goal? It, it is very, very strange. It, it, it's down to an element of do we think the manager trusts him and... You've got to see on the evidence of what we've seen this season. He doesn't. Is Phil Parkinson, you know, is he the right man to give youth a chance at Sunderland? You know, we've got an academy system that'll be the envy of every team in our league. Probably the envy of most teams in the league above. We're clearly creating players that are are decent. We've obviously seen Josh Madger and Joel Asoro being two recent success stories, but there's other ones in there. And the ones that we're mentioning right now, Diamond, Embilton, Daniel, all look like good players. Should the club accept, though, as a whole, that the manager is not utilising the academy system when, you know, it's it's obviously got good players by competing with Premier League academies and winning games, Niall, you know, <laughs> can Phil Parkinson really justify to, you know, his superiors not giving these younger players a chance? And you've also got to think as well, we're a football club that really should be a selling club in the sense we should be trying to produce young players and sell them on for a profit. We've got a manager here that, you know, the best way of doing that is to bring your own young players through and then sell them after they play well. Should the club be questioning his decision? Should they be asking the questions, you know, what, why are you not giving these players a chance? Well, uh, yeah, they should be, but they won't be because Parkinson's there for one reason, one reason only. It's to get ourselves out of this division and to, like I say, the club, Stuart Donald, Jack uh, Rodwell, whoever it is, will not give... Jack Rodwell. Uh, <laughs> that was Jack. Back again. Stop getting names wrong, man. I didn't say Jack. Did I say that? You I don't did know. Say did I? Jack Rodwell. I, I didn't. I didn't. When we look back at this, you'll realise that I didn't say that. So, it's like I say, that they want Parkinson to just do what he needs to do to get them promoted. And Phil Parkinson is not going to risk playing a young Dan Neal or a, a young Jack Diamond ahead of players which are experienced and have the experience and are getting results at the minute. Yeah, we had two iffy ones last week, but then we've come back to winning ways at the weekend and we're still, what, three points? Uh, sorry, four points off top of the game in hand. I mean, 
it's not the worst return. That's the way they're going to look at it. So they won't ask them questions. Yes, they should be because everyone wants to see them. And and but like I said, what we haven't seen enough of them because the coverage on the uh, on the under twenty threes has been dreadful. Um, I mean the club haven't even covered it for for a lot of the things. We've had to follow other clubs to us for a lot of the games. So we don't even know. But um, it it would be it would be nice to see them given a chance. There's obviously a reason they're not given a chance. These players are going to be knocking on the door. They're going to be asking in January. They're going to be saying, well, if I'm not getting the chance, I want to go on loan. Um, will that benefit us? Maybe. Maybe it will. Maybe it'll work better for us and will come back next season even better. You, you don't know. But um, I certainly think, like you said, the question should be being asked, but it won't be. There is no way that board are asking any questions to Phil Parkinson. They're just letting them get on with his job. 100%. Do you not think, though, you know, you, you've said there that Parkinson won't trust these players and you know every single footballer has to play at some point you know you only get experience through playing is i suppose the the debate really needs to be as fans as whether or not we accept that you know as a thing can can we accept phil parkinson saying we will play a bang average george dobson over dan neal who to all intents and purposes hasn't let we down when he has played you know and should we as fans despite results being you know okay i mean we'll talk about performances soon we are sitting, I think, fifth or sixth at the minute. You know, we're in touching distance of the top two. And not by all means, though, playing scintillating football. And we don't look like a team for me that's going to finish in the top two. Do you think, though, you know, as fans, should we accept this? The trust thing? Should we not question Phil Parkinson for not trusting the players that have came through the Sunderland Academy, which is a Category 1 Premier League, one of the, you know, traditionally one of the best academies in the country? Well, we've got every right to ask whether it gets listened to by, by Parkinson. I highly doubt because he obviously, as you, you've said many times, he doesn't listen to social media. He doesn't, he just does what he wants, doesn't he? Which, you know, you, you kind of have to, in a way, say, you know, his stubbornness sometimes is, he's a kiddie's ear really because he's just not adaptable to, to change. He won't do it. You know, I mean, I mean, yesterday, the game yesterday, I mean, we, we just had no pace at all in our mid in our midfield or even getting forward. And Diamond was the only one on the bench to have any pace. You, you never saw him really get vigorously warmed up. You know, you you, you never once thought, oh, they'll bring they'll bring Diamond on. They bring up they brought on you know Danny Graham ahead of him, and you know and Danny Graham and Charlie White up front aren't going to win many foot races, are they? You know, the main blessing because you know one's thirty four and the other one just isn't quick. Um, so yeah, we've got every right to ask, and and you're bringing up a really good point. I mean, what? What is the purpose of us having the academy and, you know, paying all this money for to keep Category 1? And, and you know, I, I remember Charlie Methon a couple of years ago said it's imperative that we have this Category 1 academy. You know, and I mean, them lads now, you know, they, they, they went through, they paid the dues in the last two years when they weren't good enough. They were getting hammered every week. And now they're starting to, you know, perform well. I mean, you know, beating the likes of Aston Villa in 23s. You know, for a team, you know, a team who's two divisions below in, you know, in professional football is a good thing. So, you know, it's it's just, it's so difficult to kind of like, it's been happening for years though, hasn't it? Where we're just not, we're not bothered about youth really. I mean, there's only really, you know, Gooch and Hume now who have broken through. When really, you've got to be thinking there's got to be five or six a season really coming off the line where you're thinking they're going to be good players, they're going to be good players, send them out on loan. You know, like what we did with Jordan Pickford, you know, all those years ago, you know, Jordan Pickford went to Darlington and then he went, you know, he went to a late I think he went to Carlisle and Preston. He was eventually, you know, moulded into a very good goalkeeper by sending him out on loan. And I, th- I feel like we do miss it. We've missed a massive trick prop with with a couple of them where we haven't just we've just left them play under twenty threes. And 
you know, the bother is with that, they don't learn football really, because they're playing people their own age, so, which who they've played with for six, seven years, so it's, it's quite difficult, but it's such a strange thing, but it's been something, that it's been like this for years, and they're not going to change it now, considering the whole kind of purpose of this season is get out this division, get out this division by any means necessary, and to take the risk that I just don't think, I, I agree with what Niall said, they're just not going to do it. Do you think though, that raises questions about whether or not Phil Parkinson is fundamentally a good football manager because we're basically saying, and it seems to be implied, that he will not play players based on ability. He is playing players based on age. You know, it's essentially he's ageist in a way that you're an 18 year old. Yes, you're good, but I don't trust you to play because you've not got games under your belt. That's that to me is just a, a stupid way of thinking. I mean, imagine if Barcelona did that with Messi and they were like, Oh, well, yeah, you're 16. You're really good, but I just don't trust you because you're 16. Like, it just seems in the same way that we were looking at, you know, a lot of us did this in the summer, me included, with Ledbetter. We were like, oh, he's 34. He can't, he's got no legs. He shouldn't be playing in the midfield. It's ageist in that way. I think Phil Parkinson's got an issue the other way that, you know, essentially, if you're not in your mid 20s and have got 100 games under your belt, he's not going to seriously consider you to play in games now. Um, well, I don't, the thing is, Connor, right? Like, You've got to remember, when Parkinson was at Bolton, right, his entire team were, was youth players um, because they, they didn't have a choice. That's all they had. Um, so the whole team that played for the first, what, seven, eight games, whatever it was, it was youth. That was who was coming into training. It was all youth players. He's seen a lot of it. He's worked a lot of uh, with a lot of it. So he does have experience in that area and he does have experience with those players in this league. So... You know, maybe maybe he just doesn't fancy it because of that. Maybe he's had too, he's got too many nightmares from it. Maybe he just knows the experienced pros in leagues like this on you know horrible pitches and horrible conditions are gilling them away where you're full of you know you're against players who are all six foot five and just you know brick sh- yeah sh- brick shit houses it. You know, does he want to put these youngsters in against him when he he has one job and his one job is to get Sunderland promoted? And as Chris Wynn says every week, you know, this is the biggest job that he will ever have. He will ever get. Sunderland is the biggest club he will ever manage, right? And he can't afford to put the youth in for for it to not work. Like I say, he's seen them more than we've seen them. He's heard about them more more than what we've heard about them. So there obviously is a reason he's doing it. He has one job, and that's to get them promoted, and there's nothing else. And he's not gonna he's not gonna take risks like that. Not when he's seen it at Bolton. He's not gonna take risks. Like, I, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I agree with that because I don't. I, I I would play the youth if it was me. I think you do as a manager. You do need a pair of balls, and you do just need to say, "Listen, I need to take this risk. I'm gonna do it." Um. But he isn't like that, and we've seen that he hasn't got that a pair of balls like that. Um, you know, you brought up the the conversation last week or the week before about Ada McGeady. He hasn't got the balls to to sort it out with him and bring him back in, which I think a lot of fans would would like to see him back on the pitch. So we we all know what we're getting with Parkinson. It's going to be route one, plan A. There's no plan B, and plan B is the kids, and he's yeah, he's not playing the kids. And as Ant said, it is a waste of the academy. But at the minute. Sunderland can afford to waste that academy because they need, desperately, financially need to get out of this league. Financially easier, though, if you were able to sell off some of them younger players for money, <laughs> which would well, be my <laughs> argument to Phil Parkinson. I know, Niall, this isn't you who's, who's you know, advocate. I mean, essentially, you're playing a kind of a devil's advocate role here and being the, I'm just, the Parkinson voice. No, I'm just saying that'll be why he's not playing them. I mean, you know, he's not... But is that not, like, is that not though, fundamentally, is that not just stupid? 
Well, yeah, it, it possibly is stupid, but the thing is, like I say, and like uh, the, the start of my argument, Connor, he he literally dealt with this for the, for the first whatever games it was last season at Bolton. All he had was youth. He had nothing else. He had youth, and he had uh, Hobbs, Jack Hobbs, and he had one other player, Low, I think it was. But why, and, why and is that relevant? That was literally it. Well, because he's he's seen them. He's seen youth players at this level, at League One level, and Bolton. They, they didn't pick what point they were getting beat 6 0 every game. So, right, yeah, you know I get I mean? that. But you're, exactly. you're basically. But he, we're not talking about bringing in the whole under 23 squad. You know, well, if, I know that. So if Parkinson, though, can't bring in, you know, even put Dan Neal on the bench in games, to me, that it just seems. Yeah, no, I, but I, I get what you're saying, but that that's not. You're kind of not getting what I'm saying either. What I'm saying, I'm not saying it, he'll be bringing the whole team in. What I'm saying is. People think that he hasn't got the experience to bring youth players in. He has because that's all he worked with. That's what I'm saying. He has seen it and he knows how it works. That's what I'm. That's the point I'm trying to get across. No, and I, he obviously I, didn't like it. I know. No, I understand. I, I know it. Right. Okay. Let's just switch to bit. I feel like we're just going to argue <laughs> semantics there. I want to. I want to shift now. I mean, it's still a little bit Parkinson bashing. I know I won yesterday. I don't really want to. Do you know? Well, obviously, I say I don't really want to hammer him too much, but I clearly am. So why not? Yolo. We'll jump for it. We'll keep hammering him. Where do we stand on the brand of football that Parkinson's playing? Because, you know, I paid £10 every game, sit on my couch at home. But I'm not really enjoying it. Yesterday, the first half, I was feeling a bit snoozy. Um, I've got to admit, uh, I was struggling to keep my eyes open at times. I watch the games because I feel morally obliged to watch them. Not because I really enjoy it or get much from it. And that's particularly worse now that we can't go because... You know, if you go to the games, there's other things that you do on a match day that make it fun. You're, you're with your friends or your family and it's a day out. Um, now it's not. Now it's me sat on my arse watching the telly and falling half asleep because I'm comfortable under a blanket. What, what, Where do we stand on the brand of football that Parkinson's playing? And how much is football to you about entertainment? And how much is it to you about results? And where, where do you sit on that debate? And I've always been, I have always been, it doesn't matter as long as we win. And I've, you know, that's been me since, probably went since, you know, I got into me like late teens when I started learning a bit more about the football and stuff like that. I mean, it, you know, look, listen, we won't, we would love to, you know, see us put six, seven goals past Gillingham every week or whatever. But, you know, that's just the way it's just the way this league is. I think that's the way, that's the way we're set up for, to win this league. We're not. We're, we're set up to not concede, and uh, you know maybe get one or two goals. In that. It it isn't. It isn't great. You know. I mean, it, on Tuesday night, Tuesday night against Rochdale, I I literally struggled to 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 keep me focus up for it. And I know I know uh, Chris and Craig mentioned this the other day. You really struggled. I was. I was. I had. Um, I had something else on in the background. You know, on on the other television. I was. I think I was watching the Wickham game and I was literally watching that one more than more than the Sunderland one. But I think again it goes back to that they need to do anything, everything possible to get out of the league. And if these you know, obviously these performances aren't great, but you know, we've lost once all season. We're we're in the top six, you know, we're getting results. It won't matter at one iota to the to the owners how well we're playing. It just matters about results, but yeah, I, I find that with all the football, though, kind of, I must be honest, you know, every game I'm watching because of there's no crowds there, I, I can't enjoy it. It's even, you know, like I watched, I watched Villa against Liverpool, um, and, you know, that was Villa beating Liverpool, what, 7-2, whatever it was. I still didn't enjoy the game. I enjoyed the results. It was funny, but I couldn't enjoy the game. It's just that lack of fans. It just, it really does. It just, it just, I can't, I can't, football's not a game to watch without any fans. You know, you can watch, any other, most other sports really. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the uh, the F1, and 
you don't the crowd it, it plays absolutely no factor in that you know because it's just literally don't you know like cars going you're watching the car you're watching you know the engineering and stuff like that and with football the crowd just play that much that extra you know they're the the twelfth man is what what's what's being said all the time so you know for me. No, I must say, even though we're not playing very well, I am paying, I'm paying a tenner as well, and it, it probably is a waste of money, to be honest, but it's still nice, you know, coming at, you know, at quarter to three when we, we did the players win. Yes, I was still happy, really happy because we'd won. Mm-hmm. So as long as we win, you know, I can't, I kind of don't get, I don't get all this, oh, wait, we're not playing well. Yeah, but we are winning, so it's, it's, it, that's what it's all about. Three points at the end of the day, isn't it? Do you think now that the, the entertainment factor, the fact that we can't go to the games live, the fact that, you know, I mean, I know Sunderland's made a bit of an effort with their coverage and, you know, they've got that pre-show and they've got their own commentators now who, you know, aren't basically selling for radio, which is what Nick Barnes was. But do you think Parkinson could be a victim of the fact that the experience of watching Sunderland is so poor because there's no crowds, because we're all sat at home, because, you know, they don't even have the piped crowd noise in like they do on Sky, because it's only one camera coverage and all that. Do you think Parkinson almost feels the wrath because of the poor coverage of the games, which therefore means that me sitting at home is less engaged because I'm watching a game that is essentially two people talking over the top of it and there's no background noise. It, it, it's And there's just that one camera you can't see things ha- like replayed but couldn't see yesterday if Luke O'Nine's goal was on or offside. Do you think Parkinson could be a victim of the fact that watching football, particularly in this league, is, is not entertaining just by nature? Only because of the fact that Sunderland are such a big club and I think there's still a lot of people who don't like to accept where we are in the league ladder. Um I don't think I don't think anyone's kind of you know I, I don't think anyone's gonna look at it and think that this is boring because of the fact that the coverage is boring or, or there's no crowd or whatever. I don't think people are gonna be that sort of naive to, to think that um, and blame Parkinson for that. So No, but that's I'm, subconscious is what I'm saying. Like, we're not enjoying the games because of all these external factors, which therefore means that we'll sit here and say that the football's really boring. No, but I I think I think we're not enjoying the games because the games aren't enjoyable rather than the fact that... Uh, I think if... Like, he said... and said that about the Villa-Liverpool um, game. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the game. I sat and watched it. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was class. So, you know, I think people are just looking at it in different ways. The reason why Sunderland seems boring is nothing to do with the fact that the stadiums are empty. It doesn't help, but it's something to do with the fact it's because of the, the drab, boring, party ball, as you call it, football. That is why. That is that is the problem. Because it, there, there has been entertaining games through this lockdown. The Premier League's been full of goals since the start, and, and I've enjoyed them. I have enjoyed the games. Yes, I would prefer there to be crowds there. Is you know, it's nothing quite like when it goes into the ball goes into the back of the net and the player runs off and you know celebrates with the crowd and you can't see it. It is a shame, but that hasn't affected my viewing. Um, I get what I'm saying and and I get what you're saying, but I think people would be oh, it's quite naive if people actually blame Parkinson and, and think and and you know subconsciously think it's more boring because of the fact of how the world is at the minute. I think that that would be harsh. People just blame them for being boring. Because it's boring. Yeah, but subconsciously, you don't know you're doing it. So, like, subconsciously, I am watching the games and not finding them entertaining. And therefore, in my head, I'm going, well, this must be because of Parkinson. But anyway, I want to switch on because we can go again round in circles on that one. It'd be interesting, though, to hear what kind of uh, people think on that because I think it is an interesting debate. So, tweet us. Mm. Let me know if I'm talking shit or if they're talking shit. Uh, I'll appreciate that. But if switch Tuesday night, for me, this is 
probably the biggest game Phil Parkinson's had as Sunderland manager. Maybe the other important ones were Bristol Rovers last season, where if we'd won it, we probably would have got well, we would have gotten the playoffs. Um, but other than that, we didn't know at the time that that was going to happen. But Ipswich on Tuesday, I feel like this is a chance for Parkinson to right the wrongs of that Portsmouth game last weekend, where we really didn't get going. We were mugged off by the high press. We we struggled for the in the game. We just looked second best. I feel like this is a chance for Parkinson to show that we can play with the best in this league. But Ant, is this possibly the biggest game for Phil Parkinson since he's taken the job at Sunderland? And do you think this will give us an indication of where we're going to be come the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, 100% it's his biggest game. Um, you know, I mean, Ipswich are going to come in form. They won yesterday. Um, good side, top of the league. Um, I think the second series so. But, I mean, what it'll do, I mean, it'll, it will... For me, it will probably kind of make my mind up whether we're going to be challenging for the top two or whether we're just going to be, you know, maybe, you know, back end of the playoff also runs, you know, maybe like, because if we win on Tuesday, we go one point behind Ipswich with a game in hand, you know, and we are right slap bang amongst it then. Um, I, I really do. I think the league at the moment, uh, as much as everyone's saying, oh, it's still all settling down, the top six and even, even go to Portsmouth and the seven, the top seven, probably what I would have said at the start of the season, we're going to be the top seven. So we can't afford to, to lose to Ipswich, go seven points behind them. Yeah, there's a game in hand. But, you know, we'll we play a massive catch-up there. We're them relying on other teams, you know, whereas if we beat them, it's in our hands. You know, we can, as much as it's still early, we can maybe dictate of how, like, how our season's going to go there. Um, But it is going to be, it's, as you say, it's going to be a difficult game because, I mean, Ipswich do play the press very well. Um, You know, they're going to, it's going to be very important for us to start well, I think, on Tuesday and get the first goal, try and, try and do what we were doing um, in Parkinson's good run at the start of this year where we were coming out in the first 15, 20 minutes and blowing teams away. You know, trying to, like, like what we did to Wickham, which was a huge game. Um, we, came, we came in, blew them out the water and went 3-0 up and the game was over. Um, so we need to look to do that, which will have to be a change of philosophy, I think, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I think we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to try and make them, make them kind of come at us, really. You know what I mean? Make them play. Otherwise, if if it's a, a repeat performance of Portsmouth, we'll get beat. We'll get beat easy because that that's not good enough. Now, what do you make of the game on Tuesday night? And do you think it is Parkinson's most important game as manager? Yeah, um, I'll be honest. Um, I am normally quite optimistic, but I'm I'm kind of fearing for the worst on Tuesday. Um, a few factors in it. The the main the main one is just the fact that it's such a Sunderland thing to do is to to get beat on Tuesday when, as Ant said, it would take were a point behind them with the game in hand. Um, you know it's very written in the stars that Sunderland don't take that chance. I also think Ipswich are quite similar to Portsmouth. Um, and we struggled against Portsmouth. They've got they've got the big man up front in Ollie Hawkins who scored yesterday. They've got balls coming in from either side with with you know yeah Teddy Bishops and players like that. They've got experience and pace with Freddie Sears. They've you know they've 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 got a very they're very similar to Portsmouth in the way they set up and and they're similar in in the talent that they've got there. And we showed two weeks ago that we, you know, we weren't up to that. We weren't up to the pace of Portsmouth and we got comfortably beaten. Um, That's my biggest fear. I think we got away with one yesterday. I, I don't think something played well. As we touched on, I think the sending off, you know, changed the game. And and, and I, I, I do think we got away with one. I don't think we'll get away with one on Tuesday. I, I I hope we do and I hope Parkinson, you know, pulls something out, a rabbit out the hat or something. But if we play like we've been playing over the last few weeks, we will not we will not win that game on Tuesday. 
Um, so yeah, things need to change. They need to work hard these next couple of days in training. And he and yeah, maybe hopefully bring the youth in as you've touched on before. Because yeah, like I said, I, I'd be surprised if we get anything from the game. Not saying we can't. Not saying we're not capable because we're more than capable. But if we carry on playing like how we have been playing, Ipswich, I think won't have a problem against us on Tuesday. And for me personally, um, I'm kind of on the fence on this whole. Do I think Parky should be the Sunderland manager? But I feel like a bad performance and defeat on Tuesday night would probably switch me as being a Parky out and uh, put me in that camp over there with my Eden McGeady camp as well. <laughs> um, and what a defeat on Tuesday and a bad say it is the same as the Portsmouth game. We get beat, we concede three goals and get beat three one. Would that switch your opinion? Do you think that the momentum of the fan base would go very much against Parkinson? Whereas at the minute, I would say that it's 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 kind of middling. People are not a big fan of him, but aren't willing to jump to the the park yeah. But do you think a defeat on Tuesday and in, in that manner could mean that? Yeah, I do. I do. I think especially if we, if we don't play well and lose. I mean, obviously. It's it's because it's like we've we've said pretty much all um all through this podcast we haven't played well all season really we've 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 won games um but we haven't played well and it, there's only so much patience I think a fan takes isn't it before you like before you think no this is this isn't good enough you know and yeah we've been you know we have been digging that digging the results out which is a sign it is a sign of a good side don't get us wrong but you know the Portsmouth game was such an eye opener because it was our first. I mean, we'd probably say Peterborough was the test at home, but, you know, Peterborough didn't play particularly well. It was the first time where a team came to Sunderland and played well, you know, and we just couldn't we couldn't deal with it. Now, if this repeat happens against Ipswich, then everyone's just going to be thinking, well, we're never going to make top two because we're not good enough. Um, so we're going to be, you know, fighting for playoffs or, or, or whatever happens with that. Um, whereas a win, as you said, would, would catapult us to be up there so it it is like it's like you said it is it is probably his biggest game as a Sunderland manager and it could be it could be where if we do lose where he does kind of possibly lose his job really because they're gonna have to look at is he the man to take us up and he's you know listen he's had just as just as long now he's had a year and a bit now so it's it's time for him to you know step up really Niall, you're you're very much. I saw you wrote in the group chat the other day that you don't like changing managers and you don't you didn't think there was an alternative anyway. But would a defeat on Tuesday and a convincing defeat would that that swing you to think that maybe Parkinson isn't the right man, or is your sort of feelings on changing managers more that you think it's a bit of a futile thing and often doesn't really we we haven't really picked the right manager since we brought in Sam Allardyce. If we're being brutally honest, so yeah. you know, I've not had luck in that department. But where do you set on the debate? Um. There's so many ways to look at it. To be honest, I argue with myself quite often about it because I can't even I can't decide. To be fair, sometimes I think, you know, we've got to stick with them. Other times I think we've just got to get rid of them. But, I mean, the the problem that you've got is that you know, at at one point is everyone are, are we going to look at just the players because obviously Jack Ross this team hasn't changed that much um since Jack Ross had it, and it was exactly the same. It was boring football which had a had a lot of draws in it there was there was nothing exciting it was very route one it was there yeah, just I mean everybody wanted Jack Ross gone or virtually everybody wanted Jack Ross gone um and and you know it, it's the same thing that's happening now you know it, it just seems like there's more to it than than the manager and that my my the biggest thing I've got is that if we were to sack Parkinson and say just for example we're bringing Paul Cook who, 
you know, is he's not going to be around forever because I mean I seen yesterday on Twitter the Gillingham fans after that game were were saying, Oh bring get the manager out, bring Paul Cook in now. So there's so many other teams have got that in mind. But if we were to bring Paul Cook in, what is he going to do different to this team to get them to score goals? Because everything else is fine. Yeah, we conceded a few last week, but in in average, everything else is fine. We're organised. Nobody can say we're not organised because we are. We're, you know, nine times out of ten, we're not we're, we're good at the back. So, uh, you know, for me, it's just scoring goals. And the, can Paul Cook come in and resurrect Will Greg? He knows Will Greg. May, maybe that is something. But then again, he knows Will Greg. He also dropped Will Greg. He also didn't play him. So it, it's what he also sold him. He also, well, yeah, <laughs> I would have um, sold him for that price. Yeah, there's a lot more than that, <laughs> yeah. like, but but yeah. Um, so it's it's one of those things. I, I I've never seen any good from. I mean, when when has it ever? Well, who was the last other? Allardyce is the last manager we didn't want to go. Um, everyone else we've wanted to leave. Who's come in and done? You know, done wonders with Sunderland. And everyone, it's it's gone sour for everyone. So I just think at the level we are now, he knows the players, he knows the team, he's he's got his setup, he's got the way that he wants to play in there. Yes, it's not pretty to watch, but we're in League One. There's not many teams are pretty to watch. Um people say Peter Bar, but I watched Peter Bar against us a few weeks ago and they were you know, there was nothing good about them apart from Dembele. Um so yeah, it's there's for, I just think stick with them. I just don't see the point in sacking them. Um, you know, people on about the Cowley twins. I'm not really interested in that either because you know they they just they seemed out of depth at Huddersfield and people say he saved them he took over in September and you know they nearly went down in the end so yeah it, for me I I just think we've got a manager who's do it who's been through worse things at other clubs you know what he went through at Bolton with the board and stuff he's been through worse so he's gonna he's gonna give it everything he's got because of the fact of like I said before it's the biggest job he's ever gonna get so I just think keep him keep him. Unless we go on a on a losing streak of five six games, then obviously get rid of them. But right now, and even if we get beat on Tuesday, I, I still think there's nothing good is going to come from sacking him. Okay, well, I would have jumped on your Dan Cowley rant there, but it is not a podcast about Dan Cowley, so I'll have to do that in private. Um, but I think that's, that's pretty much <laughs> pretty much a wrap for us today. Uh, coming in at roughly forty ish minutes. Uh, thanks guys for coming in and to obviously working night shift and then having yourself a nice little. Double shift on Rogue Report sandwiched in there. So appreciate you coming <laughs> on and giving me a time and Niall as well. Um, I mean, I see you all the time. And actually, I don't really because of lockdown. Not as much. This is probably the most we've probably spoken months, to be fair. Ah, it's great. I'm so now that. I don't have to speak to you for the rest of the week, which is brilliant. Yeah, do a podcast <laughs> and then I don't have to speak to you. Again. So true, happy yeah. day. So yeah, thanks guys for listening. Please subscribe and uh, let us know on Twitter if you think we're talking shit because we enjoy a debate, a nice civil debate. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.